Hi there, I'm talking to you. Yes, you. My name is Sherry, my pup's name is Sunny, and we're training to be an animal-assisted counseling team. You're listening to the Therapy Dog Talk podcast, the show that interviews past, present, and future therapy dog teams about how they're making an impact in their communities. Today we're talking with Barbara about her experiences volunteering as a school therapy dog team in upstate New York with her golden doodle Carmel, the long-term impact that Carmel's visits make on the children that she meets, and why Barbara decided to self-publish about their work together. We'll discuss how she knew that Carmel would enjoy volunteering, what their training journey looked like, and why your own dog's path may look a bit different from theirs. Before we hop in, if you're just getting started on your therapy dog journey and feeling a bit lost, I've put together a free guide for you, which you can find on my website at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. Without further ado, meet Barbara and Carmel. I am really excited to have Barbara here and Carmel, although I don't know if Carmel herself is here, but I am connecting from the car and Carmel was sleeping on the couch, so I didn't feel like taking her. I mean, (laughs) that is fair. You got to let her rest, right? Yep. (laughs) She's a work hard, play hard kind of pup. Yeah, she played really hard yesterday. We went to the dog park and she had a really good time with other dogs. Was it doodle ramp day? Yeah, it was a doodle romp day. Yep. Very nice. Well, Barbara, for those who don't know you, tell us a bit about you and about Carmel and who you all are. I am a college professor who all of a sudden, once we got our dog about five years ago, and we had to train her because it was hard to walk her because she was a strong growing doodle. She's a standard 65 pound doodle. So through training, we started to discover together with the trainer that the training might go even towards therapy training and things like that. But it all started from obedience training. It all started from trying to handle our dog. (laughs) That's how it went. And then we got certified as a therapy team in 2018. And we've been going mostly to elementary school, middle school, high school, but also to college. Once in a while, I was able to take her. And then you all know COVID hit last year, but we were still doing visits in a remote way. And that was interesting different but also actually interesting and it worked in a different way yeah i remember so barbara for those who don't know has written two books about carmel's therapy journey um one of them just recently came out but the first one was from unruly dog to therapy dog right yeah and everybody was like what do you mean carmel is unruly i mean (laughs) she's a perfect dog what are you talking about I'm like, you know, she wasn't unruly in a way uh, that she was chewing everything in our house. No, I trained her from the beginning, so that wasn't really a problem. But I just could not literally walk her. When she was about six months old, she was already pretty big and started to get really strong. I could not walk her. She's a doodle, so she's mostly poodle and some retriever. And she's a hunting dog. And they have this strong desire to pull they don't have walking on their mind when they walk with you they have hunting mode right Right. and I never dealt with anything like that in the past I had a little dog it was totally different so this was something totally new and we didn't know what to do we literally didn't know what to do regular color didn't work 
I was afraid that, you know, something would happen with her neck because of her mm-hmm. pulling. Harness made her pull even more, if you can believe it. And so I was like, what do you do? And we just started looking for a trainer. That's how it started. That was really very important to get a trainer with this unruly walking that was not possible, really. I mean, you want to walk your dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> and here, I couldn't do it. It was really It's part crazy. of the experience, right? Taking your dog for a walk. Yeah, it was very important. But once we started on Gentle Leader with the trainer, it was an instant change. I could not believe it. Yeah. It was amazing. I think it's really interesting how, you know, like you said, when people are like, oh, Carmel and Ruby, but... A lot of people see the finished product or the dog far along the journey. They're never really a finished product, as you know. Exactly. And um, they don't realize all of the work that you put in it, into that dog, all the training sessions, all of the hours, all of the moments where you're just like, why? <laughs> yeah. You know, that is kind of interesting because there is a lot of training that goes into therapy dog. And only the last sort of phase of training is therapy training, which is geared towards the test. But there is so much more prior to that. The training starts from puppy pretty much almost. Um, And I think we started obedience when she was... I don't know, maybe like seven, eight months old, something like that. And then canine good citizen. I think there were two obedience levels or something like that. And then canine good citizen. And so quite a few trainings, actually. You know, yeah. How old was she when she passed canine good citizen? So we got certified 2018. So she was two years old. She was a year old, maybe a little bit more than a year. But we actually waited. She was still a little bit too hyper. And uh, the trainer says, you know, wait a little bit with the therapy test. Just keep doing the training, just the regular training we've already learned. And let her mature a little bit so she's not as hyper. She was just Mm -hmm. always like, oh, you know, I mean, she was just like (laughs) all over the place. I mean, she was interested in people and everything. But just everything just made her hyper kind of, oh, what's going on? What noise is this? Where's this coming from? She was like that she was just very excited each time she interacted with people like she was really excited to the point of like peeing on the floor she doesn't do it anymore which is good but when she didn't see someone she knows for like you know a week or something like that and she saw that person literally instantly pee on the floor and that's so excited (laughs) yeah it was excitement and she always did it but then it was getting better and better but i remember when we went to the first training session with her like official one and she already knew the trainer because the trainer came to our house to start us on gentle leader so when we went to the store that's where the training was the first thing she did when she saw the trainer was peeing on the floor because she (laughs) recognized her (laughs) so uh, i had no idea that dog I had in the past, as I was growing up in a different country, I was growing up in Poland, I had a dog. It never happened. I had no idea a dog can pee from excitement, but, you know, it happens. Yeah, I think that's pretty <laughs> common. That's so I guess cute. it is. I don't it's remember you including cute. that part in your book, Barbara. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it is there because it was... 
know, funny and kind of it's a part of dog's life, right? Yeah. I love that. I love how honest you are about her journey because I feel like a lot of times you hear, oh, my dog's now a therapy dog and it's not that easy. No. (laughs) Yeah. So your first book really covered a lot of her journey to therapy dog. What I loved about your second book, which I was lucky enough to get to read in advance, um, so thank you for that, was your example of what it's like to be a therapy dog in a variety of different school settings in your case. How did you know that Carmel would be a good fit for that? I think that it started really in those beginning trainings, even before we thought about canine good citizen when she was in obedience class and i remember the trainer telling us you know she's an awesome dog what a personality she has look how she's she loves people hey i think she could be a good therapy dog mm-hmm. it was i think the trainers obviously trainers someone who worked with many dogs so she could tell right if the dog would qualify for something like that she was always very happy as far as being touched and being excited about seeing people and being petted. So that was really the key, I think. And all she needed was get a little bit more mature and some training. That's really all she needed. We didn't have to teach her how to be, how to like people. This is something I think has to be natural as far as being okay with being touched because the dog has to be okay with being touched, petted and all that. As a doodle, I mean, she goes to grooming, we brush her. So she naturally, I think, was okay with that but then i know doodles who are groomed and don't like to be touched as much by people so i don't think it's kind of hard to generalize but that's really how it started we didn't have intention of training her to be therapy dog we just wanted to train our dog a little bit so she would be better we wanted to take her to places with us like home depot Lowe's, things like that so the trainer says well guess what you also have to start training her so she knows how to behave in those places and then we noticed in those places that she loved seeing children Mm -hmm. each time a a child was around and the people were interested were asking us can we pet your dog Carmel was very curious and just very kind of gentle with kids always just stretching her mouth sniffing them trying to give him like a little lick she just loved kids so that was an idea that we thought about later and was like, wait a minute, she really loves kids. I think she would be awesome as a therapy dog in school. You just get little signs, right, from your yeah. dog. Yeah, but that's the thing with Sunny. She loves kids as well, I think, because they're mm-hmm. her size. Because with adults, she still gets a little intimidated when they, like, bend down to get in her face. But when she sees a kid, yeah. she wants to run right up to them and be friends with them. That's so. true, yeah. What was something that really surprised you along your journey to therapy dog? One thing that surprised me... Because of working on the second book and having an idea of interviewing teachers, talking to them. You know, the funny thing is when you go on a therapy visit, you just, you go in the classroom, right? You're doing your thing. There's a lot is going on and you have to watch the dog. You have to make sure that the dog properly interacts with the kids. It's not relaxing. I mean, it kind of is, but you have to really do your job, right? Yeah. And then you leave the classroom. There is no time to talk to the teacher, how it went, blah, blah, blah. And then during those interviews, when I was talking to the teachers, I found out about things that happened as a result of those visits that I didn't know about. 
Mm-hmm. And that was really surprising. That made me realize that therapy dogs have incredible impact on kids learning in school, on their stress level. Kids are stressed out because there is home issues sometimes, and then they have to go to school. They have to deal with a lot of things. Sometimes the child in this one case wouldn't even talk to the teacher. Can you imagine you teach a child and the student will not communicate with you, will not talk to you? There is some kind of block there is something psychological going on there is something going on at home who knows right the child will not talk we were not going every day but like once a week but because of her visits this child started to open up a little bit and, and started to talk a little bit more so how cool is that right i had no idea until I talk to the teachers. You just never know how an interaction with your dog will impact the people. It impacted the teacher too. Yeah. Uh, and it started really in a funny way because I was going to other teachers' classroom and all of a sudden I'm walk- walking with Carmel in the hallway and the teacher, hi, what's going on here? You've got a therapy dog? Yeah. I wonder if you could come to my class sometime to third graders and that's how it started and she's like the most passionate about it and she was extremely determined to make our remote therapy visits work and it was kind of tough because she had to do a lot with technology to make it work because I was connecting with her and she had to do something to project us meaning Carmel and me to kids who were at home. So she was in the classroom, I was at my home, and the kids were in their homes. So she had to figure out the technology part to make it work. And sometimes it didn't work because you know how it is with technology, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't always work. So she became just like so passionate about it. And that was really cool. So I think that's the surprise when you realize that your visits really do make a difference. Even if you maybe don't know it at first right away. Yeah, that's such an incredible story. And I also love how you were being innovative during the pandemic, right? And figuring out ways that you could still reach out to the kids. Like I remember you making little videos of Carmel talking things (laughs) things like that. Yeah, these these were cool because I just emailed those videos to the teacher. She posted them on Google Classroom and the kids were laughing. So it was already... Uh, something that changed this whole online idea. These were third graders, then second graders, young kids who had to learn online. So you can only imagine something like that funny. It just made them feel better. So it was cool, really, to know that, you know, you can be hopeful a little bit. What is a piece of advice that you have for someone who's interested in becoming a therapy dog? I think because you never know how it's going to work out. You might have an idea. I want my dog dog to be a therapy dog. I think it's not a good idea to have an idea like that up front because you don't know it's going to work out or not. My advice would be involve your dog in all kinds of activities, training, because training is really awesome. It helps in everything. Your dog doesn't have to be a therapy dog, but training will help in so many things. You will be able to take your dog to a public place, right? And without mm-hmm. training and socializing, probably it's not going <laughs> to happen. And then be open and see what your dog is in 
into, does he or she show some signs that maybe your dog would be good as a therapy dog, maybe? Talk to some trainers, and then you get an idea and maybe go for another step. Maybe your dog is more into agility and all these kind of competitive sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then you will take that path. But it would be something like with the child. You know, I have a daughter, teenager. So when you have a child, you involve them in all kinds of activities, right? And some of these activities, they just start and then they just quit. And that's okay. It's just a part of learning. But you see what happens and then they might develop an interest and go into that direction more. And that's what I think we should do with our dogs because you know, I want my dog to be a therapy dog. But what if it doesn't work out? I know doodles that are not interested in people that much. I mean, they are nice dogs, but they're more into going after other dogs, playing. And I go to the park and there is this one doodle. He's not interested in people. I mean, when you pet him, he does not give you any attention. He's just after other dogs. He doesn't care about you much, you know what I mean, an interaction with you. So the owner knew that he wouldn't be good at therapy dog, but that's okay. So just be open and see where it's going. That would be probably my advice, right? The worst thing is trying to force your child or your dog into doing something they don't want to do. I completely agree. I tell Sunny all the time she doesn't have to be a therapy dog if she doesn't want to. (laughs) And she will be. But yeah, I think that's the best attitude. My daughter, she probably taught me that kind of attitude because we, oh, maybe you can do this. Maybe you can do that. But sometimes the interest, they just didn't last. Hmm. And you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes there is a break. Oh, mom, I don't want to do it okay and then they miss it and they want to come back to it so it's just similar thing with the dogs i think i know some therapy dogs who after like two years it was enough for them and they were done so just because they want to be a therapy dog now doesn't mean they always will be and it can also be a different phase of life maybe like they're having way too much fun in their adolescence and they're not ready to do something like being a therapy dog but that can come later too yeah i remember that when we went to this final training for therapy dog that was finished with the test there was a retriever golden retriever there he was a year old and Karma was two years old and he was already ready to do this and pass the test at one year old wow and he was very calm I couldn't believe it. I don't want to say that he didn't exhibit personality, but it was almost to that point, like just very calm. I think he was perfect for reading, Mm -hmm. you know, when he just like sits down, quiet, and children would read. Carmel is a little bit different. On our therapy visits, we don't do reading. It's more about Carmel going in the classroom and going to each child, interacting with each child, and then just going back and again, starting over. So it's a little bit different therapy we're doing but that's what worked and kids love it in that way the whole class can interact with her within like half an hour period so that's pretty cool so this retriever was ready to be therapy dog at the age of one year old carmel wasn't and then there was a lab he at the age of two he was kicked out of the therapy class <laughs> you guys can't do it he's too hyper and they <laughs> came back when he was four years old and he passed the test to be the therapy dog but when he was two and three he wasn't ready for it a lab <laughs> you know that's why these uh these programs are in place to assess you and assess your dog to make sure you're ready because it's not a good fit for everyone and that's okay yeah and it can be a good fit just later right, right. like karma wasn't ready at the age of one year old now we knew she wasn't and we gave her the time you know this maturity factor and peeing from excitement factor <laughs> she needed to mature a little bit yeah 
Wilbur, <laughs> I do want to make sure um, that you have some time to tell us about your book and what inspired you to write it. So what inspired me to write the book is just is my dog. <laughs> I just got bored with writing just on Instagram. I was looking for some other ways of writing about my dog. And I was finding out about how it's relatively easy, kind of, to self-publish. Mm -hmm. So I thought, why not? Heard about some other people self-publishing. I never wanted to self-publish, really. But that inspiration, I want to reach more people and inspire them as far as the therapy dogs, how dogs are incredible, what the therapy dogs can do that's amazing. And I was trying to think how I can reach more teachers, parents, people who maybe don't know much about that. And that self-publishing aspect, I think, kind of came out. It's just another way of writing. When yeah. you were already an academic writer before the books, correct? Yeah, but it's writing for peer-reviewed journals, so it's totally different. But yeah. I am not stranger to having to revise, edit piece of writing multiple times because that's what I have to do for writing for a journal or something like that. But this is different. This is more fun. you in the driver's seat. I mean, you don't have anybody review your writing and telling you, oh, this can't be published here. It's not what we're looking for. You are making decisions here. Yes, there is a lot that goes into the process, how you need to do the draft, blah, 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 how you need to find a designer who would put the book together so it looks representable. But you make those decisions, really. And then you are the one who can upload this book and hit the publish button. And here it is. It's there. And that's kind of fun to be able to make this decision on your own. It is scary for some people, but, you know, when you break it into certain pieces, like this is what you do to self-publish a little book. You do this, then you do that, and then you do this, and you do this. You can, anybody can do it. Honestly, that's how it is. It's mm -hmm. not that hard. The harder part, kind of, start after you publish. Mm -hmm. Trying to sell it, promote it. But it's fun too, because you're starting to learn a lot of other things. So I definitely have a lot of tips about that too, if anybody would like to publish book. But yeah, it's not that hard. It's just knowing those steps and being able to talk to someone who already self-published. Hey, how you did it? All you have to do is A, B, C, and D. <laughs> that, just like that. It's not that yeah. hard. Really. Well, you seem to be someone who loves learning how to do new things. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm in the learning business. If we learn, that's how we stay young and we get our brains going. It's good. And it's good because when you learn new things, then you can talk to others, help others, right? But you know, a funny thing too, once you self-publish and then you learn how to promote your book, you find out that running your own blog is a really good thing. Mm -hmm. And then there is more to learn about how to make your blog entry visible or discoverable by Google and things like that. So mm -hmm. this is the kind of things that I'm learning right now yeah. because I was never doing it. And now you can do your own blog. Then you learn how to publish your blog on several different sites, not just one. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and how you make the entry more discoverable, what kind of title is good to write, what's too long, what kind of tags to use so you have a better chance to show up in Google searches and things like that because that's how you can promote your book. And the blogging part is pretty much free. So there is a lot of free exposure you can get to promote your book, but you just have to be willing to learn about it. And there is a lot of kind of shady book promotions on Instagram, but there is some other ones that are more reputable and they will be promoting your books across multiple platforms. 
So you have to know what's shady, what's not working, and what is working. I think one book promotional site, they promoting, they will be promoting my book for the whole year for $50 on like 10 platforms, if not more. That's mm -hmm. not a terrible price when you think about it, because you have to have a little bit paid promotion too, but also trying to do a lot of free stuff. It's just that you have to learn a little bit about it, what to do. But when I post some more reels and some kind of tutorials on Instagram, I'll be talking about these things too, because why not? It will help others too. Yeah, I love how you share what you learn. Definitely. That's why Thank your books you. have been really great for me in our process. And remind me, what's the name of your newest book? Do I know the title of my book? Let's see. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the Amazing Power of Dog Therapy. How My Therapy Dog Transformed Children's Learning. Wow, I can't believe it. <laughs> That's a powerful title right there. Everyone can go to Carmel Golden Doodle and find the book there, I'm sure. Yeah, and you can DM me if you have any questions about therapy dogs of my books, what I'm doing. You are very welcome to DM me and we can have a conversation. Well, thank yes. you so much, Barbara. Thank you for You're joining. You're welcome. Thank you so much, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for joining everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Therapy Dog Talk. If you did, please do me a favor and leave a review and rating on the podcast platform of your choice. If you have a guest that you think would be a great fit for Therapy Dog Talk, send me an email at hello at therapydogtalk.com. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.